Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Saturday, and I hope you're planning on being at Men's Bible Study today. If you're a man, ladies, please stay home. That's true. Please don't come. This yeah. is not for you. No, it's not. Yeah, but men, you should be at Men's Bible Study. I would like that. Yeah. You should be there. Yeah. I think there's probably no one who's listening who would not say they could stand to grow in patience. I don't know, man. You got it figured out? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. besides you, that's yeah. okay. You can be exempted. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I, you know, even you know, for us, I, for me at least, Church planting is an exercise in, in patience and trusting God. And, oh, to- and totally. Stepping back and going, okay, God, you're building this thing, not me. Like, right. And uh, and so that's been helpful and in, in growing and stretching and, and trying. But yeah, I have felt like the, the one of the greatest areas of my impatience is, and this is going to sound like a humble brag. This is not that at all. I I, I am slow to grow. I, I, I read a lot. I, I listen to podcasts. Like I just try to fill my brain with everything I can yeah. in order to provoke the growth. So slow, man. Like I just, I want to, I want to be older already. Mature, maybe not older. I want to be more mature. I want to be godly. Yeah. Nowhere near where I want to be. Yeah. Like nowhere near where I thought I should be right. after being so many years in, you know, ministry and being a pastor and all this. And, and granted I've grown certainly, but man, I am, it's slow. Which it just reminds me of how much time I chose other things over opportunities to grow even totally. And looking back on that now going wasting time, right? Why? Like, what's the point? Right. Um, and, and that's, yeah, look, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, community group, youth group, Wednesday nights. Like these are all worthwhile investments of your time. I mean, when you look back from eternity's perspective on this time, I don't think at any point you're going to say, man, I, I wish I hadn't been a part of a community group. I, I wish I hadn't gotten my kids there on Wednesday night. I wish I had put them in sports more. I, I wish I had, you know, had them in, in more extracurricular activities because they would have gotten more scholarship money. We've listened, both Pastor Rod and I have been in youth ministry for, for many, many years, it, me much longer ago and, and Pastor Rod more recently, including presently. Present tense. Look, we, we, we've, we've heard the reasons and we'll tell you still it's, the, the, the value of putting your kids in front of the word of God as much as you possibly can and in relationships with, uh, with our, our godly leaders that are there that are imparting wisdom to them in community group or in small groups, the, the relationships with other peers that love Jesus, that they're forming when, you know, that that's scarce in a lot of these schools that they're going to look, th- this is worth the, the investment. And look, if your, your kids grow up and even if they grow up and have a hall of fame sports career, are, are they going to be following Jesus? That's more important. That's that's the bigger question. And when you're called before the, the bema seat of Christ as a believer parent, you know it, it, the question is going to be, how did you steward your kids? And Jesus isn't going to care about your kid's batting average at that point. Mm. Um, nor is he going to care about your kid's ability to, to, to play all the scales perfectly on the piano. You know, whatever the, the, the thing competing. And look, adults, for you guys too, listen, I, I, I get it. Community group, Another night of the week being out of the house is is a commitment and it's it's it does take you out and take you away. But y'all, it is so important to build relationships with other believers here in the church, to 
to pray together, to have community, to be known and to know and to be able to practice the one another's and, and to be able to look, church is is so much more than just showing up on Sunday mornings. And you mm. say, well, where's that chapter and verse? Well, the thing is, first century believers, they had to have the church. It was their lifeline. They, right. they, they had no other recourse but to, to pursue fellowship with one another. And we have the luxury of not needing that right now. And that's because we got Amazon and DoorDash and everything else. Right. And it's easy to be a believer. We don't have persecution right now, mm-hmm. by and large. And that's a blessing, but it's also a, a major curse as well. And listen, if, if persecution does come, the switch is not just going to flip naturally. You need to be pouring into and investing in and building into a community now that is going to see you love Jesus more down the road and have you ready for whatever comes down the road. And so whether that's you as an adult saying, man, I need to get involved in community group, hear this from your pastor saying, get involved in a community group, or whether that's you as a parent and you're letting the the world compete with the affections of your kids for, for, for what Christ is, is trying to do with them on Wednesday nights, get them there on Wednesday nights. It's more important than their sports career. Yes. You want to but no, I'm not going to say you want to fight me on that. I'm not going to fight. Him on that. <laughs> that's, that's not the Put right the gloves. On. That's not the right response. Throwing fists. But listen, the, the even if your kid is the next LeBron James, even if he's the next, you know, Willie Mays, even, Corey, what's his face? Corey Seager. Seager. Yeah, okay. That guy too. Great. Fantastic. But I, I could care less. It, does he love Jesus? Does she love Jesus? Right? Like that's the thing that matters. That's the thing that matters eternally. And so, and, and you parents of, of little ones out there that, that aren't yet there, make the decision now. Decide now and even tell your kids. Look, I told my kids growing up, you're going to miss out on opportunities that your friends are going to have because we're going to put the church first. And you need to understand that. And that's that's just the way it's going to be. And here's why. And so as they got older, like my son Joshua the other day looked at me and asked me a question about something. And, and I said, yeah, Josh, that's why. Because he remembered growing up and hearing this messaging the mm-hmm. whole way up. So mm-hmm. you may have an infant at home. You may not have kids yet. Be ready for these things now. Start thinking now. Be proactive about this now. And and don't let it happen to you by the time that they're old enough and, and their time is being demanded of them. Probably we would we should say that we don't have, we don't have nothing against sports or extracurricular activities. I mean, these are all great, right. awesome things. What great resources we have. Right. But man, our concern is that we want to see you all thrive in your walk with Christ. What does it profit a man or a woman or a child? to gain everything the world has to offer and yet forfeit his, her, and their soul. Yeah, That's where our heart is. And yeah. that's where we are growingly concerned with, with the way that our culture, by and large, focuses on every good thing apart from the greatest thing. And one of the questions I think you should ask yourself is, what's my life for? Like, what's what's the purpose? Why, why am I here? And if you're a Christian, you realize that the easy answer that we're always going to reinforce is you're here for the glory of God. Well, how does that work itself out? Well, I love God. Uh, and that's going to look like obedience. It's going to look like reading his word, praying, et cetera. And I'm going to love people, love God and love people. Those are my marching orders. How do I best do that? And the, compli- the complication comes in when there's a lot of good things to do. But we don't want you to confuse the fact that your first marching orders to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and you love people from that place. You don't love people in place of that. Uh, you don't you don't put things in front of that. And that's what we're encouraging you to do, to keep things first things first. And that's one of the hardest things you'll ever learn to do throughout your life. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. That softens it a little bit. I don't want to come across too harsh or, or 
you're passionate and, yeah. and that makes perfect sense. Like right. we, we are passionate about this. This right. is, I mean, we, we just want you to feel the, the, the burden that we feel for you. Right. And I'm just trying to say, we understand like we're parents too. We get it. There's good things out there that we want to do for our families. And man, we're all about that. And to what you said earlier, look, are you going to miss opportunities? Well, yes, in some sense, but no in the ultimate sense, right? You're not missing out. Right. We're actually giving you a far better thing than what your friends are getting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even just this past Wednesday when, uh, Matt Daniel preached on, Spiritual warfare, right? Right. The armor of God. Right. Put the yeah. armor on. <laughs> what? I don't think any parent out there is sitting there going, yeah, my kid's not battling spiritual warfare at school right now. Oh, man. Totally. Yeah. What a timely message. What a good thing to hear. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of good things to hear, let's jump into the word of God. Let's do it. Exodus 33 through 35. Ready. All right. Chapter 33, we get uh, Israel is is going to leave Sinai. That, that must have been a little bit unsettling. I got to think. I, I mean, they're at Sinai so much. I mean, good and bad. Obviously, we just left off the, the golden calf situation, but um, you know, so much of the good had happened there. They they encountered God. They'd seen God so act so visibly, and and uh, the instructions for the tabernacle and everything else. And now it's like, okay, it's time to go. And uh, chapter thirty three, verses one through six. Here uh, we get a lot of of Abrahamic covenant language showing up again. Verse one, you get the land, you get the offspring. Verse two, he hits on the, the the land concept again, the land of milk and honey. So remember, this is still yeah new covenant with the Mosaic covenant being there, but the Abrahamic covenant has not been replaced. It's not been abrogated. It's still in operation here, and Israel is still being called uh, to trust in God's faithfulness to lead them into the full realization of that. Verses 7 through 11, then we get into the tent of meeting itself, uh, setting up the tent. Uh, the, the, the tent was set up outside the camp. Um, one commentator made a point in saying that this was a physical reminder to the people of uh, the, the separation between God and them, that, that he was a holy God. And so there was a, the distance that was set there between uh, the Israelites and uh, and. Uh, the dwelling place, the, the tabernacle there um, for God. And, and that clear distinction was made there, even between the people in the camp and Moses, who was the Lord's representative, because Moses got to uh, go in and speak face to face as a man speaks with his friend. How cool is that? that, that what, a, what an amazing thing that must have been. I was meeting with somebody actually just today. And at lunch, they were talking about their prayer life and going, man, I, I just, it's a sweet time of prayer right now. I feel like I can talk to God just like I'm sitting here talking to you. Not in a disrespectful manner, but that it was natural. And intimacy. Yeah, the intimacy there. And I think that's what you get here in verse 11, that Moses had that closeness with God. Now, was this face-to-face in a literal sense? No, again, anthropomorphic language is being used here to communicate that idea of the, the intimacy. In fact, um, in John 1, in the prologue, when it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, that word, that phrase with God means face-to-face. Just the same concept is here, that that closeness, that proximity there that the son enjoyed with the father. To a lesser degree, Moses here enjoys with Yahweh in his interaction with him. Just real quick here, point, point to, to notice is that we haven't erected the tabernacle yet. So the tent of meeting is True. not that. Yeah, I apologize we're, for we're the not, confusion. We're not talking. Yeah. No, I don't think you did. I was just making sure that they're clear on this. We're not talking about the the edifice called the tabernacle. This is something different. This is outside of the camp where the tabernacle is going to be in the center. Yeah. And they're all going to be arranged around it. This is something different. So this is a temporary means measure for God to interact with Moses on behalf of the people. Yeah. Yeah, well, we get more of Moses, the mediator here in uh, verses 12 through 17. Um, Yahweh ag- agrees when Moses intercedes to uh, to go because Moses says, hey, look, I, I, you need to go with us because originally God had said, I'm going to send my angel 
uh, lest I consume the people. In other words, God was like, I, I'm, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm going to send my angel. My angel will take care of things, but, but I'm going to be, I'm not, I'm not going with you guys. And, and Moses says, Hey, unless you go with us, I don't want to go. Um, and, uh, and Yahweh agrees. He says, okay, I will go with you. In fact, he agrees twice that he will go with the people. That's amazing. And, uh, and that, that is amazing. Just God's patience in his grace and his loving kindness. Well, there, then towards the end of chapter 33, we get this really neat scene that is going to come to fruition in chapter 34, where Moses says, I want to see your glory, um, which tells us back in verse 11, that even though he was communing with God face to face, that there was this wasn't the fullness, right? And, and we know that that's true, number one, because Moses walked out alive. Because God even says here, look, you can't see the fullness of my glory and live. No right. man should live. And so he says, I'm going to hide you in this rock. I'll pass by you and I will declare my name to you. But what a, what a just a, a neat thing. What a, what a cool thing that Moses w- desires that and wants that proximity and that closeness with God. Also, I think where we get the lyric for the rock of ages, cleft for me. Mm. Let me hide myself in thee. Yeah. What's that run? Um Hide me in what's that? How's that lyric go? But you know, you know the song. That's a good song. Maybe you should listen to that after this podcast. Right. Cue right. it up on your Spotify. No, you got it right. That's how it goes. Yeah, but we're, there's a, isn't there a lyric about a, um, shielding me in the rock, protecting me from the rat, something like that. I, I I know maybe I'm thinking of that same lyric, but l- I'll look it yeah. up and I'll verify. So we get into chapter 34 then, and God makes good on his promise to, to, to reveal himself. And that's what happens in verses five through seven. The Lord descends in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So this is what's interesting is Moses asked to see God and God allows him to see the backside of his glory, but also in revealing himself declares something to him. And that is his name and says to him, he is the, the Lord, the God, a uh, God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and so there's this name of God that's given. But then there's this interesting note that he makes here. And, and I think it's it's worth clarifying. What does he mean, Pastor Rod, when he says that he will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? This is one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible and one that you would do well to memorize. If not the actual verbiage of it, at least the address, because this is going to come back over and over and over and over yeah. again. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithful. That's You're going to see that all over the scriptures. So I wrestled with this phrase quite a bit. And here's, here's my present take on it, and it's a simple one. It must mean by nature of God's judicious nature, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't punish someone else for the sins of another. But I do think the consequences of those sins reverberate throughout generations, much like you would have in some families uh, if the father was a raging alcoholic. It's not too unlikely that the, the kids suffer from that and usually suffer most greatly because of a situation like that. And because of that, it is far more likely that the kids will see that as a viable option to deal with their own personal sins and struggles because they saw that modeled. And therefore, the consequences of that sin can last multiple generations until someone steps right. up and says, I'm going to break that pattern. However, I, I would also know that even though it says that, it, it does say the, the, the consequences of someone's sins can last for multiple generations. Notice what he says after that, though. He keeps steadfast love for thousands and, and, it, and it continues for their children's children and it continues on and on. So it's, it's a comparison of saying, yeah, there might be multiple generations that suffer under the consequences, but man, God's faithful, steadfast love, thousands more. 
Yeah. So the lesser to the greater. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right. The world even understands this. We, we get from the world the, the, the idea of, well, you're predisposed to alcoholism or you're predisposed to this or you've right. got a genetic probability for this. And we would say, okay. Not genetic so much. Right. But more, hey, you've seen this and this is a learned, learned pattern of behavior and, and it's, it's something that we need to be mindful of as parents. There is an interesting field of study called epigenetics. Have you heard of this? Uh-uh. Epigen- so uh, epi, um, the prefix, I, th- I think refers to something above, beyond. The, right. uh, so gen- uh, that fact that there are some genes that can be switched on or switched off according to the environment that they take place in. So uh, a cancer genetic predisposition, for instance, may not be triggered on unless and until someone participates in things that facilitate the triggering of that gene. So that gene expression. So if someone starts smoking, then maybe they are more likely to get lung cancer than the next guy because they have a genetic predisposition. So the field of epigenetics studies uh, how and when certain genetic expressions are turned on or turned off. So I don't know if this is talking about that, probably not. But at least the more we study human biology and even the way that our bodies are created, it's a very deliberate term I chose. It seems like God's really intelligent about how he puts things together yeah. and shows I mean, the more we l- learn from the body, the more we can say, man, God is so wise. Yeah. He is so smart that it's just fascinating how he designs us. Yeah. Yep. Well, in the rest of Exodus chapter 34, really get, we get the covenant renewal. This is again, Mosaic covenant that we're talking about here. And there's uh, in verses 12 through 16 warnings against uh, the, the pagan nations that they were going to encounter as God was leading them away from Sinai at this point, still towards the promised land. He was warning them, Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to drive these nations out from before you. And, and that's a promise that Israel would fail to remember and fail to believe in later on when they do go in to take possession of the land. But even beforehand with the spies, we'll get there later on. But God's saying, I'm going to drive them out, but here's the thing. You, you need to make sure that, that they're gone because if not, then you're going to be tempted to go after them. And this is foreshadowing because that is the future of Israel's uh, Israel's identity. They, they would go in, they would take possession, they wouldn't drive out all the nations. And sure enough, just like God warned, their hearts would be enticed and carried away. And then verses 17 through 26, then we get some of the general stipulations of the covenant relayed out for us there. Verse 17, no idols. Uh, verse 18, the command to observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was associated with Passover, redemption of the firstborn in verses 19 through 20. Uh, again, admonition and instruction on the Sabbath in verse 21. You get uh, the Feast of the Weeks in verse 22 uh, of appearances in verse 23 of Passover there in specifically in verse 25 and then first fruits in 26. So God is, is providing more uh, of the, the societal and the civic structure of what Israel would, would have to abide by under the Mosaic covenant as they were leaving Sinai there. Talk about verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Is, is, he, is he an insecure girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Um, no. Jealous in the, 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 the perfect sense of the idea of, of jealousy. In fact, uh, similar to, to some people who accuse God of being a, a megalomaniac. Okay, that's all God can be, be by definition of the fact that he's God. By definition, it would be wrong of him not to be that. Exactly. And it'd be wrong of him not to be jealous for the worship of all people because he is the legitimate only object of, of worship for all people. Just like for you as a spouse, it's not wrong for you to be jealous for your spouse's affection, that you would desire that your spouse has a unique affection for you that he or she does not share with anyone else. That Should not. Should not share with anyone else, Right. right. And so likewise, God is jealous for the affections of his creatures and creation because that's what is right. That is, that is what is true. That's what's good. That's what's appropriate. And so 
Um, God is not insecure. He is simply acting as God should act in this situation. I like the way that you put that. It's, it's so important for us to recognize God rightly deserves all of our loyalty, all of our affection. It, it would not be suitable. It would not be appropriate for God to be like, you know what? If you want to go and worship the Rangers, not a big deal. Right. They're as glorious as I am. Right. Why you got to go over there? Because <laughs> you, you got this poster over here that Pastor Ben gave you from Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley. No, he gave me the coffee cup. Oh, the coffee cup. I thought yeah. he gave you that thing. Which... Also, I'm drinking out of right now. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty and cool it has too. The the roster on Thanks, the back. Pastor of it. Ben, that's pretty nice. Yep. I didn't get a cup. I'm just saying. Well, I'm not as big a Texas Ranger. You need fan, to be a fan of a sports team that wins. I am a fan. I, I I'm a fan by the by the nature of the fact that I live in Texas and they're the closest team. I am a fan of okay. that team. Fair enough. <laughs> Notice how long Moses is up on the mountain. Forty days and forty nights. Dude is a boss, and he didn't eat or drink. Nope, that's a supernatural fast. Yeah, because th- you should not do that. Right, there's no Moses diet book that's being released. <laughs> I mean, not yet. Don't give anybody any ideas, bro. Dude, you know how this stuff starts. That's how we're gonna fund our building. Hey, we've got a new book called the, the Moses, Moses diet. diet. It's got Guaranteed. one page. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. No, we'll have to elaborate. The end. <laughs> well, well, you know, <laughs> dude, there are other churches that have done stuff that you know it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're not going to do that. Pretty close. And, and you shouldn't engage in the Moses diet and be like, well, no, he didn't, so I'm not going to. Yeah, let's, let's not do that. That this, was a supernatural sustaining. Yeah, this is a God thing one, as yeah. we, we talk about. And this is not the first time he's done this either. He did this for the first time. Yeah. Around. This yeah. is the second time he's done this. Yeah. He was probably a thin man. That's right. Guess. Right. And he gets the new tablets and he comes back. And notice uh, verses 29 through 35, the impact of Moses' time with God and in the presence of God is such that the people can't even stand to look at Moses' face. Like Moses' face is glowing from being in the presence of God. Got glowed up. And the people are like, hey, you got to put a veil on that thing. Like we can't right now. (laughs) And so that became what would happen. Moses would put the veil on. He would take it off when he went in to meet with God. He would put it back on coming out of the the meeting so that the people could stand to be around Moses, which is interesting. It's super cool because in the New Testament, Paul alludes to this where he quotes. All with us. Yeah. um, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So what happens to Moses is a picture of what happens to us as we behold God's face. Now, granted, we can't do that. Obviously, this is an anthropomorphism, but it refers to the fact that the more we behold God's glory in his word, through prayer, through the communion of the saints, through fellowshipping with him and with the body, the more we do that, the more we reflect the person and work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, and that's that's going to be visible. That's yeah. going to have an effect on who we are and what we look like. Yep. Yeah. Chapter 35 then is the final preparation for undertaking the building of the tabernacle where the instructions on giving and uh, the reminder of the Sabbath rules, the command to give the materials there in verses four through nine, the command to to get the, the craftsmen that, that everybody was able to, to show up to do that verses 10 through 20. Then they actually collect everything there in the chapter and then uh, Oholiab and uh, Bezalel, Bezalel are uh, are anointed or appointed rather uh, there at the the Both end of, of chapter thirty five to uh, to do the work. So this is them now. They're ready to go. They're they're they've got all their materials there, and now they're ready to to take on the the construction. Yeah, I guess one one quick note here about the Sabbath. We've kind of we've talked around it last couple of chapters, but just a quick note on this. This is the one. This is the one command that in the New Testament that is not reinforced. In fact, it's actually undermined. Um, it's not given the same status as the other of the Ten Commandments, the other nine. This is one that we no longer are bound by, which means this, I think practically speaking, Sunday is the is the day that we typically gather for church. But theoretically, I, I don't think that it has to be Sunday. If we wanted to say, hey, it's Thursday, and we gather for church on Thursday, we, we could do that. Um, if a church wants to offer a Saturday service, 
and do a five o'clock on a Saturday and then do a Sunday service and maybe do a Monday service. I think they could do that. There, there's freedom in Christ to do that. We, we do Sundays as a matter of tradition, but there is not a biblical command that demands that we have church on Saturday, as some Sabbatarians suggest, or on Sunday, that is a matter of traditional practice for the church, or any other day of the week. Um, one man esteems one day above another. Uh, all are really subject to our our, our honor of Christ, whether we do it on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Thursday, or Wednesday, or whatever day of the week we want. Yeah, that's helpful. Yep. Chapter 35 in the books. Almost done with Exodus. Yep. We, we are so close. Yeah. In fact, the next chapters, you'll notice uh, quite a lot of, of repetition from what we've already read. Um, that's okay. Uh, that there's a reason for that. God wanted us to be aware, and this was a significant thing, and, and Moses thought it was worth recording these things. So uh, don't lose steam as you're reading and keep reading your Bibles and join us again tomorrow as we keep going in Exodus. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.